1: We have got a supersized edition of ScanAll so you can hear all the best moments from Texas. We also have the best of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s podcast from this week, including his thoughts on fist bumps and pit guns. Plus, Stuart Haas's vice president of competition, Greg Zividelli, sat down with Kelly Status in Texas to shed some light on the organization's superior performance so far in 2018. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Carol Amano, joined by our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. We have Kyle Petty and Landon Castle, who are going to join us in just a moment. But we start with the big news of the day in the Cup Series, and that involves Monster Energy, who's extended its title sponsorship of NASCAR's top division through the 2019 season. Now, this comes off the company's original two year agreement with NASCAR that was signed in late 2016. Monster, which also backs Kurt Busch's 41 car Stewart Stuart Haas Racing, is the fourth title sponsor in Cup Series history. And with that, we turn to NBCSports.com's Nate Ryan, who joins us now. Nate, what else can you tell us about this?
0: Well, Carolyn, I can tell you this deal took a little bit longer than I think some anticipated, but indications today were were that both sides were very happy with the title sponsorship so far. Monster was very pleased with the metrics that showed they got increased exposure value and they had more people knowing the brand than before. NASCAR was pleased with getting a younger audience, younger demographic this season. Their numbers showed that. But as you mentioned, Carolyn, it's only a one-year deal. Uh, They originally had a two-year option for 19 and 20, and we learned today that this extension is only one year through 2019 and steve phelps the chief operating officer of nascar also told us that monster almost certainly won't be back as a title sponsor after 2019 they could still be a sponsor in nascar but it won't be likely in this entitlement role
1: so do we have a sense right now Nate, of what that could mean with sponsorship moving forward whether or not they're included in a significant way
0: Right. It all kind of ties together here, Carolyn, that Steve Phelps, the chief operating officer of NASCAR, told us that there is a new model that NASCAR is considering for its title sponsorship after 2019. And that's why you won't necessarily see Monster in a similar one-company title sponsor role. NASCAR is looking to bundle the title sponsorship with itself, with its tracks, with its TV networks, in a way where I think you could see multiple companies be involved as the so-called title sponsor of NASCAR in 2020 beyond and I think you could also see where there will no longer be a name associated a sponsor company associated with cup series it wouldn't be Winston Cup or Sprint Cup or Monster Cup it will be just some sort of unbranded cup series
1: so certainly a departure from what we've seen in the cup series over the last couple years also some news today Nate concerning the all-star race what can you tell us about that
0: Right. Well, uh, it appears that NASCAR is heavily considering looking at, not, at running restrictor plates uh, for the all-star race at Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, Carolyn. And it would be a package similar to what was run at the Indy Xfinity race last year. That package drew very rave reviews, was a huge success. And so it's expected that NASCAR will tell teams soon that they will probably use a similar package for the All-Star Race, we're, we're expecting there probably will be an announcement from NASCAR on that this week where restrictor plates would be used at the All-Star Race at Charlotte and probably some of those aeroducts. ducts. Spoiler type package that we saw last year again for the Indy Xfinity race and this year at Indy and at the Xfinity race at Pocono in Michigan. And this continues the trend with the All Star race in recent years, Carolyn, where they're looking for ways to enhance the race action. Last year they tried the option tire, there have been format changes. So this falls in line with what Charlotte Motor Speedway has been doing the last few years with trying to enhance the action around the All Star race.
1: All right, Nate, thanks very much. We appreciate that. Let's welcome in our analysts now to discuss this a little bit further further dj your initial reaction to these changes that are going to be made
2: well my reaction is going to be different than the drivers because the two words they never want to hear are restrictor plates other than daytona they don't really like to hear it at daytona and talladega <laughs> because of high a bunches everything up but with what we saw at indy last year in the xfinity race i'm excited about this option and i'm going to go all the way back to 1995 when i went to drive for robert yates uh he was telling nascar at that time look you can need to cut these engine sizes down to cubic inches, the the cars are going to get so fast, the racing isn't going to be as good. So we're going back well over 20 years that Robert had the foresight to see where this was going faster speeds doesn't always translate into better racing. Matter of fact, seldom does it do that. And what we saw with William Byron making a pass, uh, there were, I think, 16 lead changes in that Xfinity race in a 250 mile race last year. The, the year before that, when Kyle Busch dominated, there were less than five lead changes. So it, it actually worked. Now, how is this going to be on a track that has 24 degrees of banking and it's a mile and a half versus what Indy is, it's a two and a half mile, pretty flat track. But I like the idea that we're trying different things, as we heard from Brad Kozowski and others talk about the aerodynamics uh, and the issues they face on a weekly basis at these mile-and-a-half tracks. I like the idea we're trying something at the All-Star Race. It wasn't like the All-Star Race last year was great, so I applaud NASCAR and everyone getting involved and trying to do something a little different.
1: Well, let's welcome in Kyle and Landon on this as well. I think a lot of people, Landon, are talking about what this could potentially mean for other mile-and-a-half tracks down the road. This could be an experiment moving forward, like Nate mentioned, but what about that notion that DJ just brought up about the banking versus a very Flat surface moving forward.
3: Well, we've raced on a lot of different racetracks in NASCAR, so these cars adapt to – and drivers and yeah. teams adapt to pretty sure. much everything. Uh, I think the key there that DJ talked about – I'm on board with you, DJ. I think that uh, these cars – don't need all that much horsepower. I know drivers love horsepower, yeah. but um, our golden ages of racing that everybody loved back in the 80s, uh, how much horsepower did you have back in the 80s? 400. 400. 600. 600. Right, right okay. in there. That's right. And we're racing on the same racetrack exactly. as we're racing on now. So I don't think we have to have that horsepower, but the, a key component to these packages that I really, really like is the aero package. I think that uh, Having air moving underneath and through the cars is important. I think that the it, it helps the cars, the drivers move around. As a driver, I can feel when someone is five car lengths behind me. I can feel when someone is in my mirror, and it slows me down. When likewise, when I'm behind somebody else, so if we can kind of get rid of that effect, it'll
4: help. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what I think about it, uh, to be honest with you. You're um, <laughs> I agree with Dale, and speed and racing have nothing to do with it. We see some of the greatest races in this country on racetracks half mile where they only run 60 or 70 miles an hour. So you don't have to run 180 or 190 miles an hour I do believe that plates are made for cakes to be served on not for race cars I am going to say that I don't like plates I'm not going to like them at Charlotte I'm not going to like me and it may be a great race it may turn into a great race I do applaud Charlotte for trying something um, and I do applaud NASCAR for trying something but I, I do believe as you spoke of the aero issue then why don't we work on the air issue? Why are we working on the motor? Okay, you said, okay, I like the way we're letting air through this. That's got nothing to do with the engine. That's got nothing to do with 800, 600, 700 horsepower, whatever that may be. But we seem to use the engine as the one fix-all for everything. And I'm not sure that that's the Band-Aid and that's the place we need to go back to constantly. Let's fix some of the aero stuff at some point in time.
2: Yeah, when we didn't know what side forces were and things like that you know we could manipulate other things uh, with the bodies but uh, when these cars became so dependent on the air on the side of these cars it's made it difficult and brad keselowski brought this up uh that it's made it difficult to race side by side well i'm sorry that's what this sport was built on uh, was racing side by side two and three wide and we've got to figure out a way to get back to that so is that part slowing down i agree kp that that restrictor plates aren't I don't know if that's the answer or not. It's it's certainly not the best way, but it'd be a huge cost to now try to to turn these engines back in in another way without using this. So let's see how this works, and uh, hopefully it's something that we can move forward with that creates great racing. Well the drivers talk
3: about aero a lot. So it's not that we just haven't uh, no, ignored no, it. We I talk agree. about it. and and I will I will say that I think the drivers need to get all on the same page on what they talk about because we just sometimes you throw a blanket over it and just yeah. say let's take down force off the cars. Yeah. When you know maybe we need to start with the front of the cars and say get the car the cars off the ground and a challenge there is the manufacturers and what the bodies look like but I'll negotiate with you just a little bit on this engine deal. <laughs> if you can if, if, you Cut my horsepower, get my horsepower down, but let's keep the RPMs up. Let's, let's yeah, let let these things turn Agreed. 9,000, 9,500 RPM. I do let's agree with let's that. get some gear in these things so that you can have some acceleration.
4: You know, burn the rear tires yeah. off it with 500 horsepower, yeah. 600 horsepower, and maybe that's a good compromise. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. And listen, I'm going to defer to you on this because you were in a car this last Sunday. You know a lot more about this and what you expect and what you feel. Uh, I am going to say, and, and, and um, I know Carolyn will appreciate this. Emily Post is the one that said that plates were for cakes. And I come from racing, and it's forks on the left, knives in the back. The point is, go beat everybody week in and week out. (laughs) And I don't care about the horsepower. I don't care about it. Take the plates off. Yeah, shut up and drive, as I think is what they tend to tell us.
1: (laughs) I I mean, I don't even really know how to react to that. (laughs) Shouldn't we take the fans into consideration just a little bit, though, DJ? I know Kyle's saying he doesn't want restricted plates. Plates have no you know place but you're saying that it's very expensive to try to find another solution and we have to figure out a way to make racing better
2: yeah so? but but it may be that the aero part is bigger than than actually what the horsepower reduction was at any we don't really know which one they they were both put there together it wasn't like we tried one without the other uh so uh i, I applaud them for doing something here so maybe we will see that it does need uh less horsepower and then we're going to have to cut the cubic inches which is going to be a big cost uh, to the owners, but at some point in time, you're going to have to get to some solution like that. Yeah,
1: okay, so applaud NASCAR for giving it a shot anyway. Uh, there may be a reduction of speed coming with some of those Eric dynamic changes, but there was certainly no shortage of speed this past weekend. It led to some very, very hard hits. Here are some in part one of our Scandal, Texas.
5: Mark Truex Jr. out front of that group, about six car lengths back to Kyle Busch. It's vibrating again. They've here. Hold it up, hold
6: it up, hold up,
5: up. Definitely looks like a right front tire. That yeah, hurt. Not bad man. alright? Yeah, okay. Tires. The vibration's bad. It kind of feels like a loose wheel, but it came all in one corner. Getting worse. Nice. On throttle. Just flew right front. Holy, what a hit that was. That was an ugly awesome. hit a ton. Now, you okay? Yeah, yeah, that was lovely. That's the second right front above. That 42 and 78 gonna be sort of I got a vibration here. Okay, 10-4, but it just happened, this set of tires. Yeah, this set of tires just noticed it's slowing down. It's like the tires are coming apart from the inside. Left front's down. Yellow, outside wall turn two. Let me get a tire. Uh, sure, it looks like it, Tony. Yep, I believe so. Do you think that's just wear issues? Kinda of scared to mess with pressures. And people blowing tires, you know. Planning to do four, unless you think we can do something else. So we need four and we need it now. Okay, 10-4. We're ready for you. Oh being hit by the 31. I'm glad you're f- ready. Stay up here, stay up. Here's that f- strategy call. Go to the right front Blow out. Sorry, right, bub.
1: All to come throughout the day. Meantime, another hit that may not have looked hard but did have consequences. A multi-car crash on lap two. Daniel Suarez was among those involved. And he revealed today that he has been diagnosed with a fractured left thumb. Despite that injury, though, Suarez says he's good to compete this weekend at Bristol. He provided an update on social media for all of his fans. And DJ, how difficult is that? hindrance, particularly at Bristol.
2: Yeah, that's going to be the big thing. It's where they're racing this way. He'd much rather Richmond and Bristol be swapped. You could manage through Richmond, but Bristol's a fast-paced, really rough, concrete racetrack, and jarring you around for 500 laps around there is going to be difficult. He'll get through it, but it's not going to be a a fun, eventful uh, time that he was looking. Most drivers enjoy going to Bristol, but this is going to be a hard weekend for him. I feel
1: like drivers have a high threshold for pain. He even noted at Texas that he thought about quitting, but he didn't, so he may be up against it this weekend, but he's going to to do it um, after the break. We're going to hear from Dale Jr. Jr. is going to weigh in on his thoughts on the weekend. That includes his reaction to the four teams fist bump with a NASCAR official in their pit box. If I'm a NASCAR official
7: and, an, and sure. a guy from another team puts his fist out to fist bump me, I'm going to feel weird about that. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go. Uh,
1: Manchester City looked to take one step closer to winning the Premier League title when they traveled to Wembley to take on Harry Kane and Tottenham. That is Spurs City Saturday, 2:45 Eastern, here on NBCSN. It is time now for the best of the Dale Jr. download from this week. Here is Dale and company's thoughts on pit guns, the buzz on a new show involving NASCAR wives, and of course, the fist bump.
5: you all know, the talk uh, yesterday. There was so much dang chatter about this fist bump. Oh yeah. Andy, the official, you know Andy, man, oh, flag man. I mean, great bump. dude. There is so much stuff about this. I don't get what the big deal is.
6: What's your take to, on it? Dude? Well, to, we gotta we gotta to say exactly what happened here. I mean, like yeah. NASCAR failed to not penalize Kevin Harvick's team for a uh, uncontrolled tire, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're related. The two they're issues, not but, related, yeah. but but I'm saying, but the reason the fist bump is a controversy is because they didn't get penalized. For for a, for, a uh, for something they should have, yeah. NASCAR yeah. came out and admitted it. They sh- they made an error in that, and then this GIF or this photo or whatever it is, basically a, a video, block,
7: yeah. Basically, of, the network cut to the pit r- pit stall of the four car, and there mm-hmm. is a video. There, there you are watching uh, the pit the official and the team have a powwow. Right. And, you know, <laughs> it it isn't a good look. I mean, regardless, it, and and I think the blame really lays on the official in that situation. You can't have referees high five coaches on the sideline. It's because of the culture in our sport has been we, the we same. We are a traveling family, yeah, yeah. a big
6: family. That's co- what happens. Yeah, that's the difference between each other. That's the difference between referees. Yeah, that's the difference between referees and football that's teams. True. And that kind of thing. I will.
7: S- I agree, but at the same time, if I'm an NASCAR official and a, sure. and a guy from another team puts his fist out to fist bump me, I'm going to feel weird about that.
6: Okay. Yeah.
7: I'm going to go. Uh,
6: People looked
5: at it like the Patriots when, you know, that referee, you know, there was that gif going around with the referee patting
7: the guy on the back and smiling with whatever. Right. It's just not a good look. Kevin Harvick had an unbelievably fast race car, had a lot of problems on pit road, uh, a lot of their own, a lot of problems that uh, they created themselves, some problems that uh, they feel like the guns created, a lot of back and forth with that that's going to be interesting to see how the gun situation plays out through the year they're really pushing back hard on nascar now you got a lot of crew chiefs chiming Mm -hmm. in a lot of people this ain't one or two guys and it ain't one or two different guys each week it's the same people pushing hard on nascar i think that will uh be effective will
5: it be effective now that it's coach gibbs because i yeah. mean that's the first time i've heard him really say something as profound yeah, as coach, that.
7: coach coach gibbs doesn't he doesn't really make anything up or and when he talks i think it's important to listen because he doesn't say much very often gibbs spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop one of the best guns that we've ever had in nascar they had a clear advantage over all the teams with the type of gun that they had built imagine if you were uh, part of that company it's really difficult for you to say hey I, now I've got to use this common gun that's yeah. not that's not something I I trust. It's obviously not performing enough well enough for me to trust it. And I've spent all this money that's really all for nothing. And we've got all these awesome, amazing guns up in the storage unit uh, that we can't use. But this push from Harvick from the crew chiefs. Prominent people are really pushing hard for NASCAR to make some real changes to this and take this seriously. Well, I mean, But
6: the problem hasn't been remedied. So, like, it, r- regardless of who's saying what, until as long as the problem persists, I, does NAS- NASCAR can't ignore it, right? I mean, like— No, and I don't think they are. No, no, I don't think they are either. I don't know. You know, I think the big story
7: is—something I'm trying to get to the bottom of— uh, the wives' show for C- for CMT—that's <laughs> the big story. Is this yeah. what has your
6: attention right now?
7: The wives' show for <laughs> CMT. All right, has uh, apparently it's good to go, green lit. But one of them, one of the wives and 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 a wife and husband, uh huh, had to back out because of a sponsor stepped in and said you can't you can't do the show. Really, there's a little speculation on social media about which couple that was. Man, now, that's a big deal. What well, was the speculation? Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, don't nobody knows. I think it's Denny. So I'll be interested to find out. Because I know they were supposed to be in the show, I thought. If it's not, if Denny's not in the show, man, I'm really changing my perspective on my optimism of the show and, and being excited about it. <laughs> it goes down. Got to watch Got to the watch first couple. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you're going to yeah. watch the first couple episodes, right, Mike? Even You. I would watch it, yeah. yeah.
6: Everybody's gonna watch it. I would it. watch it, but you know what though? I I would want Denny in it. I do not want to watch a you know an Austin Dillon, Kyle Busch, heavy show, right? I think that you're gonna. I think that you might be just a
7: little surprised by Austin <laughs> Dylan, really, and and his w- is it Whitney? Yeah, Whitney. Um, they're a lot of fun to follow on social media. They're <laughs> yes, they're, they are. they're oh. a riot.
1: DJ, you're going to be in Charlotte tomorrow for Wednesdays with Dale Jr., Rick Allen and Jeff Burton also gathering at the Big Oak Table. This is a new show that we're doing on Wednesdays. It's been a whole lot of fun, and I know that you can add a ton when it comes to this new NASCAR wives
2: Yeah, we're going to have a bigger pilot. discussion about this tomorrow. I can already feel that coming. I was going to defer this to Kyle Petty, but they told me they've shut his mic off, so <laughs> just going to have to say, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Should be interesting. All
1: right, do some homework, okay? Coming up next, there's an extra $100,000 bonus up for grabs in the Xfinity race this weekend in Bristol after the break. Hear from the drivers racing for a whole lot of cash money. That's next.
6: NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles, and by Duluth Trading, tough, ingenious workwear designed and tested by tradesmen.
1: Well, there's nothing like playoff hockey. The Stanley Cup playoffs begin tomorrow. Three game one matchups for you. Flyers versus Penguins on NBCSN. Wild and Jets on CNBC. And then the nightcap on NBCSN right here. Kings and Golden Knights. Coverage starts at 6 Eastern on NBCSN with NHL Live. And as for the Nashville Predators, they open their first round series with the Avalanche on Thursday. And Team Penske's Joey Logano, who is a goaltender, in youth hockey growing up, mind you, he is ready. He's got a fresh-to-death new Preds jersey that he is about to sport. So that's good stuff to see. Speaking of big events, this weekend at Bristol, the Xfinity Series Dash for Cash returns. Christopher Bell, Daniel Hemrick, Cole Custer, Ryan Priest going to compete against each other for a $100,000 bonus. They earned the chance by being the top four finishing series regulars last weekend at Texas. And here is what this week's Dash drivers had to say about that opportunity.
7: It's huge, uh, obviously, what Xfinity and Comcast does for our series and allows us to, to go to Bristol next week. And, and, know, we definitely have a shot to run for hundred grand. That's, that's very inspiring, said the least. And uh, I told Danny Stockman before we came here to Texas, like, hey, I need a really good race car in Texas so we can give ourselves a shot at Bristol.
3: And uh, now we got that. We're going to a racetrack I love and uh, looking forward to it. That's really special to be able to race for that amount of money. So uh, I'm really thankful I didn't spin out like I did last week. And now we have a shot at it. I uh, just got to make sure that we're good at Bristol. You know, we're just going go to go to Bristol where we race for $100,000, and I'm a short track guy, so I can't wait. I think to you know have a shot at that, it'll be awesome. I think if we can win that, it'll be huge for us, and uh, we're going to try hard, and we're going to put everything into it that we can
1: out of that group of four is going to win the 100000 at Bristol and be locked into the Dash for Cash the following week at Richmond along with the top three finishing series regulars. And the format is going to continue for the upcoming races at Talladega and Dover. Daniel Hemrick actually won the Dash for Cash at Bristol last year. Who's caught your attention so far, DJ, this year?
2: Well, I have to say, I love the idea that we're doing this on a couple of short tracks. You throw Talladega in there. These guys have a chance to win the race, actually. Plus, $100,000. I know that things have gone up and that might not seem like as much money, but this is a big payday for them. I'm looking at Christopher Bale. He's, he's really performed well at every type track. Uh, all of these guys, again, are short track specialists. That's how they made their way through this. But I, Christopher Bale has really shown me uh, everything that it takes to be successful. I, I actually put him right now. Even though Elliott Sadler has been really consistent, Christopher Bale's been right up there knocking on the door to win these races against the Cup regulars. So I want to see what he's got uh, on this high bank Bristol track this weekend.
4: Yeah, and, and that's a great choice, and I, I agree. All four of these guys have an opportunity to win a race. These are race-winning drivers, and that's what makes the Stash for Cash so much better uh, is the race-winning part of it. I think when you look at it, for me, I'm going to have to go with Cole Custer. I go back to last year. They were in the Ford uh, first year. Uh, he ends up winning a race. Uh, they're late in the season, but I know what this kid will do to win a race. We saw it in the Truck Series. So you throw $100,000 on the line, you throw Bristol into the mix, I think this is a guy that you're going to have to keep your eye on. Well, I think uh, I'm going with Ryan Priest. And I'm going to
3: tell you what, he's somebody I identify with. He's a driver that drove for the famous Johnny Davis Motorsports, the Gaffney Peach yeah. Mafia we call ourselves. We both drove the 01 car there for a couple of years. And I identify with him because he grinded it out for so many years. He's He's Been in a position where a top 10 finish is a good finish, and he took a step back last year, and he put himself in a position to drive a couple races with JGR, and he went to Iowa Speedway, and he put himself in victory lane. So uh, I want to do that myself. I want to put myself in a race-winning car, even if it's just for a couple races at my home track uh, at a place like Iowa Speedway. So I'm with Ryan Priest. He knows how to do it on a short track. He can run that high line. Let's see.
1: We've loved having Ryan Priest on the show. He's so much fun. And check out, in case you miss it, this is what he sent out yesterday on Twitter. Listen to this.
6: Run faster! Come
3: on, we're going six miles an hour! What kind of pace is this? Come on, guys, I'll pick it up for you. Here we go. Yep, dash for cash. Gonna just pull away. See you later, guys! Imagine if that was for a hundred grand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like we need the Rocky theme song or something while, while, while they are getting trolled by priests. That was funny. I loved it. <laughs> what would you guys think?
2: Oh, a lot of fun. I mean, you've got to love the, the way these guys go about it and the fun that they have with it. But I'll assure you, when it comes to this race this weekend and $100,000 on the line, uh, they're willing to do just about anything to get to that point.
1: Yeah, all right. Well, the Texas race on Sunday had a Talladega-sized big one. It was triggered by contact between Eric Elmerle and Denny Hamlin. Let's hear how the chaos played out over the radios. It's coming your way next on Scannell. Stay with us for part two after the break. James Hinchcliffe looks to stay king of the beach in America's longest-running street race, the Verizon IndyCar Series Grand Prix of Long Beach. That's Sunday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on NBCSN. I know we're all looking forward to that. It is time now for Scan All Part 2 as we continue our look back at Texas. Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Larson had already crashed out early. And off the restart at lap 178, several more top contenders were swept up in the day's biggest wreck.
6: They're going to restart with 157
2: to go. Green flag flutters in the air. Kyle oh, is loose. No. Kyle Busch
5: was sideways. Watch his 18, Peiman. Still inside. Jamie's inside. In the middle. In the middle. Levin's that's your bumper. Inside. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. They're coming in and out. In and out. Trouble. Go back. Back it down. Back in up. Back and up. Back it up. Yeah. And middle. Stand top. Stand top. Clear one lane down. Okay, Yells out here. Yellows out. Great job there, bud. A little bit of luck. Thank you, Jason.
2: Jimmy Johnson comes down to the inside, hits hard into the safer barrier.
5: We it, guys. Are you alright, Jimmy? Yeah, we're definitely out. I'm proud. Sorry, guys. Stopping the box, but I don't think you're going to be able to fix this one. I lost the brake rotor and steering. Killed it. I don't We're done. Yeah, we're done. Oil test. Good grief. Hey, well, I've got a bunch of Man, yeah, got me 10, 11, 6, 48, 2, a few others. This is a demolition derby. 10, 10 just came down. I don't know what else I could have done any different. I backed out to not do something stupid with the 18. God, I was wide open, trying to get out of the way. That old 48 did not hold the brake. I think Jimmy Johnson wrecked three different times. How about that, dude? ho, oh, ho, ho! Did you see that 48? Oh man, I was a piece of paper away from
4: wiping
5: him out. I'm out of punch that kid in the mouth.
4: You got a bunch of Arca
5: drivers that don't know how to stop when they're wrecking. They were crashing for 30 seconds before they drove into me. Had a giant hole in his nose. Oh, they got Star Wars in front of his car or what? Sure if anybody's got Star Wars in the car since.
1: So you saw Jimmy Johnson among those uh, collected at Texas on Sunday. excuse me, Last night, his crew chief, Chad Canals, announcing that he and his wife, Brooke, are expecting their first child this summer, a baby boy. Great news for them. And also want to lay a couple other things out on the table here. Canals' current deal with the 48 team is through this year, from what we know. Uh, And this is also the last year of Lowe's as the team's primary sponsor as well. So, Landa, when you... Look at the bigger picture here of what's going on. A lot of things happening in Chad Canals' life. Yesterday at the end of the show, we mentioned some cryptic motivational tweets from Jimmy Johnson saying that he needs to kind of keep his head in the game. And there's the fact that Lowe's sponsorship is is going away as well. It seems like there's a lot of layers to the struggles that are happening with this 48 team.
3: Yeah, and last night I kind of teased on Jimmy's motivational cryptic tweets a little <laughs> bit. And, and I said that... I think that Jimmy is in a mental state that we haven't seen yeah. him in before. And we've, over the years, Jimmy has gone through slumps and he always like surprises everybody because he just comes out of it with three wins in a row and then makes the playoffs and makes it all the way to Homestead and wins seven championships. But this time, I don't think, I'm not calling this a slump. I'm calling this a unique challenge that Jimmy Johnson is facing in his team. And, and the challenge that I see is that. Him and Chad have different types of teammates that they've ever had in their career together. They have a different type of environment. They have different, different administration at Hendrick Motorsports now than there was a year ago. And so it's, it's kind of a new, they're going to have to find a new way to communicate with each other and their teammates to get those cars running the way they need to be running. So it's not just a slump where they've yeah. had bad luck. It's, it's a different challenge, a different way for them to dig themselves out.
4: Yeah, and I, I would agree. Uh, you know, when, when you start, listen, you're a seven-time champ. You've won 70, 80, 90 races, and you need self-motivation? No, I don't need a self-help book. You, you know what I mean? At that stage, you are self-motivated. I think Jimmy is. And and I don't understand the tweets sometimes, the motivational tweets, um, because I, I don't see it. I, I know those are the... The slogans you put on your wall when you're lifting weights or when you're doing stuff, but don't don't put it out there for everybody else to see because it shows weakness. I think that's a that's a personal thing. I look at where this team is. I look at where Jimmy is. He is the leader of this team. Um, he has been a leader of Hendrick Motorsports, but the majority of his career was spent in the shadow, leadership wise. Maybe not on the racetrack, but leadership wise of Jeff Gordon, and we know Jeff Gordon is a leader. He can step up and command that respect, command that attention. Jimmy has a different personality. Uh, Chad has a strong personality. But right now, just as we've seen an Eric Almirola step into a Stuart Haas organization and that whole team gets stronger because you've got four strong drivers, the organization that Jimmy Johnson is in is one championship driver, one driver that's in his sophomore year, and two rookie drivers. It's a tough place to be when you're trying to come out of a slump or trying at at this stage in your career. And you throw a brand new Chevy on top of that. So there's six or seven races in that. So there's a lot of things going on with that team in that organization. And Jimmy is 42 years old. Jeff retired at 44. So he's a lot closer. He's looking at the end of his career and can just barely see the beginning at this stage.
3: Well, just imagine this this dynamic, because you touched on a, a, the, exactly what I was talking about with the three teammates um, at Hendrick Motorsports versus the way that Eric Amarola fits into Stuart Haas. So you have Chad Knauss, who I've worked with Chad Knauss. He's extremely intense. And even though he's a great team player, there's one person that Chad Knauss is really high on and that's Chad Kanaus and his team he needs that 48 team to win that's why he's got yep. seven championships and Jimmy Johnson is pretty darn good at doing yep. what Chad Knaus tells him to do right so if if their workload from their teammates needing more information you know these young drivers needing more information trying to learn how to communicate with their crew chiefs and engineers if that workload increases and, and puts more demand on Jimmy and Chad that's that's that could be part of seeing this Good process point. and this turnaround slow. You know, there's there's yeah. more responsibilities for for Chad and Jimmy that they may even realize right yeah. now. So that's kind of where I'm coming from in this yeah. idea that there's a different mental state. I, I like that you mentioned. Uh, I hate to say that Jimmy Johnson has a weakness because he to me he's 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 yeah. Superman, right? Yes. But I I think the same thing when I see self motivational tweets like that is like who are you trying to impress, yeah. right? Who are you trying to motivate? Um, but this is a guy that can get himself out of bed at four in the morning to go to a swimming pool and, and swim for two hours because, you know, he, he has to balance the rest of his life and still prioritize his fitness in the car and, and his, his focus. And, and is when he's in that zone, that fitness zone that I've seen him be in because I've trained with him yeah. at that hour of the day before and I've seen the guy that, that is just zoned in on accomplishing things, when he gets in that zone, there's nobody that yeah, can sure. beat him.
2: Okay, so I'm going to go in a different direction here, guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off base, but maybe this isn't Jimmy Johnson on a self-motivational deal. They're going to find a sponsor, and they're going to be fine. They'll go back to winning races at some point in time. Maybe this is Jimmy feeling the need to answer to those critics that are out there, especially in today's world that everybody has the opportunity to criticize him, that he's he's got seven championships and 80-some wins and all of this money that he's made. People are saying... What does he care? He doesn't, he doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. Maybe he's answering to those people. I'm pretty sure Jimmy Johnson is self-motivated inside and he's ready to get the job done when the cars are good enough.
1: Is it strange that it seems like there's been a shift like Landon pointed out yesterday that some of his earlier tweets have been jabbing at the fans who have been jabbing at him and now they're a little bit more introspective, a little bit more motivational or are we reading too much into this from a seven-time champion?
2: Yeah, probably. He's just probably, I I think they're probably putting way more in this because he gets the job done and he will get the job done and he is so strong mentally, he's proved that time and time again. It's just things aren't happening right now. Every driver, every champion, I don't care if you've won seven like Richard Petty and And Dale Earnhardt and Jimmy Johnson you're going to go through difficult situations and this is Jimmy's way of going through and I think again this is more for those people out there haters if you will that he's just saying look I'm just fine I want to do this.
1: I see. Okay, coming up next from Tony Stewart's head wrench back in the day to now running day-to-day operations at one of NASCAR's elite teams, we're going to hear what Greg Zipidelli has to say about the current state of SHR. That conversation next.
6: NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles.
1: Welcome back everybody. Current stewart Haas VP of competition, Greg Zipidelli has a long history in NASCAR. He was Tony Stewart's crew chief for Smoke's entire tenure at Joe Gibbs Racing and following the 2011 season, he moved over to Stuart Haas Racing as an executive. And Zippy, as he's known, has been a part of one of Stuart Haas's championship seasons. That was the 2014 campaign when Kevin Harvick was the victor. They may be the favorites to win it all again. And Kelly Stavis sat down with him last weekend in Texas to find out how everything is going at SHR after some big changes in recent years. Stuart Haas Racing announcing will turn in its bow ties for blue ovals. Beginning in 2017, Stuart Haas will run Ford Fusion. I'd like to start a brief look back to last year when SHR made the big switch over from Chevy to Ford. As you reflect on it, how big was that challenge and where did you end the season? It certainly looks like you had made big progress with the Ford team. Burn
5: them down, brother. Burn to
8: Yeah, I mean, for us, obviously with our association with HMS for all those years, it was so much that we worked together on things. They had made and produced so many of the parts other than the motors for us. Switching to Ford was way more than a body change. It was chassis and components. You know, a lot of parts and pieces that we weren't doing previously. You know, we took a lot on last year. We never were as strong as we anticipated or we wanted to. Right, I
5: think we're blowing up. Denver, just try to nourish it.
8: But you know, over the winter, we had a lot of time to, to, to look back and reflect on the things that we maybe didn't do so good.
2: I think it's safe to say that's not the first time a driver and a crew chief yelled at each other.
8: You know, honestly, last year, it, it was simply, can we get cars to the racetrack? The work has certainly
6: paid off. The long wait to return is over. Clint Boyer is going back
1: to victory lane. But when you say that you spent the time in the offseason this last winter, identifying some things that you hadn't done well and made changes, what, what were those?
8: You know, in all honesty, we grew so much. We have doubled the number of employees, added two Xfinity teams. So with growth comes, you know, some reorganization. Obviously with the crew chief driver change, um, Eric brings a a completely different dynamic. to Our team meetings, our debriefs, he's a breath of fresh air to have in our group. I think he's challenging all the other drivers and how hard he works and studies the sport. He shows up and he's very prepared.
1: Obviously teams develop reputations. For example, Joe Gibbs Racing has a, a reputation as a great place to work. How do you see Stuart Haas Racing?
8: When I accept the job there, you know, I, I've been a common-sense racer. My gut has really, truly taken me to where I am today. I'm a racer. Or I've built and, and touched and painted and bonded and chassis, every part of these race cars over my career. But I, I always wanted to be treated with respect and appreciated. Not everybody in every industry has adopted that, right? A lot of it's about, you know, what can you do for me today? How much have you produced? And at Seward Haas, I, I want it to be as good a place of racing as it can be. Awesome job, guys. What a race car. You know, obviously, winning fixes a lot of things, right? It's easier to recruit people. It's easier to get people to, to, to work later. I mean, it, it just, it, I know it's an old saying, but it really truly does fix a lot of things.
1: right Well, you hit one big milestone this year mm-hmm. when all four drivers finished mm-hmm. inside the top 10 for the first time. What would it mean to have all four in the playoffs?
8: I mean, obviously it's what you, you know, you you leave Homestead and and what is your goal? I mean, it's to have, you know, the first chase race with four cars in it. Ideally, we'd be headed to Homestead with two cars in it and and hoping that your chances are are, are that much better. There's a lot of tough competition out there. It won't be any easy for you to, to obviously accomplish that. But I think our group is motivated to at least have that as our goal.
1: Landon, I love seeing everything that Greg Zipidelli has accomplished and his road to where he is now. How important do you think he is to this team?
3: Well, he's, he is huge. I mean, he, he, his, his background with Tony Stewart at Joe Gibbs racing kind of laid the foundation for that chemistry uh, when, when that whole merge came about. But I want to tell you something about Stewart Haas racing. That is to me is pretty awesome for our sport. You know, we just talked about Hendrick motorsports yeah. and Jimmy Johnson and, and, and the kind of the culture over there. and, You know when you talk about a company and you say everything starts from the top? Well, something that Stuart Haas has is just intensity and emotion right and that starts look, look at the people at the top at stewart haas racing you have tony stewart you have you have gene haas who's this guy that's been in racing forever has these big businesses i mean when they remember when they announced kurt bush oh, yeah. it, it seemed like it was out of the blue and tony stewart was even like well yep gene said so so we're, we're bringing kurt bush on and they got kevin harvick over there and 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 clint boyer like these just these big personalities and these intense people um that that is a, a company that just has a a lot of emotion a lot of intensity yeah. and so it, to me it's it it brings a lot to the sport that it's just such a different dynamic than a place like joe gibbs racing yeah. where it's this f- you know football coach culture and and hendrick motorsports which is a very white collar um uh, corporate culture you know run by this you know southern gentleman yeah. businessman and and they all work in their own ways and then you've got Stuart haas racing and, and a guy like greg zippidelli is is running this place with hundreds of employees but you know what he's an old school racer yeah.
4: It's very cool. And, and I, I think that's what you think of when you think of Stuart Haas racing. You think of racers. But, but I, I'm going to say this to, to Greg's credit. Um, I think it is really hard to go from crew chief to management. Okay? Mm-hmm. And my point being this he had Tony Stewart. They had one focus win races, win championships with Tony Stewart. Not for the rest of the Gibbs organization. With Tony Stewart. So when you make that transition to a, a vice president of VP of competition, now you have to look globally at the company. So I don't have one driver. I have four drivers. I don't have one crew chief. I have four crew chiefs. I don't have one team. I have 14. And oh, yes. I've got all these guys back here at the shop. I think Greg has done a great job of understanding that, taking that intensity that he had for Tony Stewart and for that one single team and spreading it out. And it goes back to, like you say, it is that passion. It is that desire to be the best, It is that desire to win. But I think that Greg has shown and risen to the top. I think there's another guy, Jimmy Maycart, who is, is Dale's brother-in-law, is a guy who made that transition. It's a tough transition to make. We see drivers that can't make a transition to be owners. We see crew chiefs that can't make a transition to the front office. Greg has done a great job.
1: All right, and our thanks to Kelly Stavis as well for sitting down with Greg uh, just about a week ago. Coming up, it is champion versus champion. We're going to listen in on Kyle Bush's battle with Kevin Harvick for the win Sunday at Texas Scandal Part 3. Coming your way next here on NASCAR America. the term breaking news but here is some actual breaking news the media center at ism raceway in phoenix meeting the wrecking ball on monday the track continuing its 178 million dollar renovation and that project will be complete in time for nascar's return to the desert in november and after all the wrecking was done on sunday in the lone star state it came down to a fierce battle between kevin harvick and kyle bush for the victory here's our final installment of scandal texas
4: There's the
5: green-white checkered flag with Kevin Harvick, the stage one winner. Are you ready? Go hard. One outside, one outside. One big trouble for the fourth. Harvick loses eight positions on pit road. What not got stuck in the jack. might go down. Doesn't really matter. Just fix the problems. What's their fault, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, loose wheel. And here's Harvick back in the pit. And he's going to lose a lap. Keep getting all you can. Six cars are lucky, dog. You're beating me about half a second a lap.
2: Stage number two, it goes to Kyle Busch.
5: It feels like another one's loose. Are they all tight? They're looking into it here. Daniel says he's good. Eric said he went way slow, but it was the same gun. So keep leaving it around. Let us know what you think. I don't know what to think, Rodney. I've had two days of loose wheels, so I, I can't give you an honest opinion, man. Kevin Harvick has too many men over the wall. Have to uh, start at the tail for too many crew members. Who's that? That would be us. Believe. About the time you get back in, you take yourself right back up. Kevin Harvick back on the lead lap in 11th. We got a gun problem again. I guess they're stopping on each lug nut, so if they're not torqued. Then- We went to the backup gun. It was blowing air out everywhere around the butt. Got ready to pit, had no choice but to go back to the first one. They got another one down here now, they just brought. It's really not fair to everybody sitting in the cars with the guys changing the tires to give them piece of crap guns, if they aren't gonna be the same every time. Just as a reference, Daniel's gun yesterday was 9,300 RPM and now it's like 12,500 with the same pressure. So, they're not the same. Yeah, it's to the point where it's just a joke. Here, get some better equipment out here or we're going to keep having loose wheels. Get
3: to get
2: Kyle Busch will pick up his first victory of 2018 as he wins at Texas Motor Speedway. Did it, man. Never give up. That's why we do it.
5: Yes! Great job, guys. Awesome. Awesome
1: job. Thank you. I Have I mentioned how much I love Scan-All, Kyle, especially when you get to basically hear what Rodney and Kevin are talking about over the duration of the entire race? It's classic.
4: Yeah, we, yeah that was classic. We heard an entire conversation about air guns and nothing about what was going on on it's the race starting racetrack. to make
3: me feel bad for Kevin Harvick a little bit. Uh,
4: you know, I don't know how philosophical
3: you are, but... Uh, they say that everybody has a battle in their life over their entire life. And for Kevin Harvick, I think it's pit crew stuff. <laughs> if there is a race for him to lose that he should have won, it typically he loses it on pit road. Oh, yeah. so, Which will for drivers, though,
2: especially at <laughs> fast tracks, is no fun whatsoever. You know, you know how frustrating
1: yeah. that is. All right, that is all for NASCAR America. You can always log on to NBCSports.com NASCAR. As always, get the very latest news there. You can tune in at 5 o'clock tomorrow, Wednesdays, with Dale Jr., American Ninja Warriors, next.